Saturday night. Hey guys, it's Brad with College Sportscast, and we are presented by the Fanboys. guys we are back i think i come back pretty quick that time you did that's because there's not another person on here well and i'm in a different spot too so yes yeah yep yeah i'm in a little different spot than i normally am as well so yeah there's no frozen treats behind you so we can't have frozen right. bread right yeah this is that's true it. there you go so no frozen yeah. treats no frozen bread yeah this is true mm -hmm. so we are on a little bit later than normal. So I have been to Louisville at Prep Red Zone Kentucky um, football camp this morning and this afternoon. Started out horrible. It was raining and cold and windy, and it was a um, an adventure, at least. Let's put it that way uh, today. But I've been covering high school recruits from 2023 to 2026. Most of them were Kentucky guys um, in the state of Kentucky. I think there was one or two out-of-state guys that were there, but most of them were Kentucky guys. And I will be doing a bunch of bunch of coverage. I've got a bunch of clips and stuff to uh, post, and I'll be doing that. That's the reason why we are on a little bit later um, today. So uh, what did you do since you had an extra hour today, John? Saturday, I'm waiting on you. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're supposed to have a guest, and I am messaging him. I actually was on my way back from Louisville and had to stop that's the reason why I'm in a different location. Had to stop because I didn't make it all the way back. And was like, hey, I need to come over and um, do my podcast real quick. <laughs> so that's why I'm sitting in a different spot. And I ain't had time, so I messaged the guy that we're supposed to have on. Rob Statton is supposed to be on with us. And I am hoping that I will get him on um, while we are doing this. Um, he is a Seattle Seahawks NFL draft insider, and he is supposed to be on with us today. I had messaged him two or three days ago, and he said yes, um, but I haven't had a whole lot of time to message him today because I've been on the road and covering the camp that I was at. Hold on, Hold on just a second. All right. We got some... We got some dogs there in the background. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I heard them, the woof woofing. <laughs> but anyway, so I'm hoping that we'll give we'll get Rob Staten on with us. So uh, I'm kind of doing this um, at the last minute. It seems like. 
today, but we're on with you guys, and welcome to College Sportscast. Uh, we are sponsored by Bluegrass Brads. Uh, many of you might know that that is my business, and we are sponsoring now College Sportscast. We are also sponsoring the Fanboys and Greenville Sports Media as well. And that's who I went today to represent um, at Prep Red Zone, Kentucky. Went to Louisville, Kentucky at St. Xavier High School and uh, been there covering them. And, and about 75 kids were there at the camp today. And uh, like I said, one or two of them were out-of-state kids, Indiana kids, I believe. And uh, so we had fun doing that, but um, we're trying to rush back to, to get our show here. And like I said, hopefully we'll have the NFL Draft Insider on with us here shortly. Uh, if we don't, we will um, make a show out of this one way or another, right? Yeah, that's correct. Hey, how's your mom's basement? <laughs> yeah, that's where I stopped. <laughs> Where's my mom's? <laughs> she lives about 45, 50 minutes before, you know, coming back before I do. And she was the one place that I knew that I could like be, um, hey, mom, I need to come over and uh, do my podcast. <laughs> so weird. So I was in a hurry and I didn't quite make it. I told John, that's the reason why he knew where I was. I told John that might be where I have to stop to do the podcast. Yep, yep, yep. Hey, it didn't lag. Maybe I maybe you have to go drive 45 minutes from where you live to go do your podcast. <laughs> So we have no lag, no right. lag Yeah. Maybe that's what I need to do from now on. I'm not real sure. Frozen bread only happens in his frozen treats shop. So yeah, therefore, I mean, you know, yeah. Yeah. This is, uh, this is something that makes sense, actually. You know, I do frozen treats and, you know. Trees yourself. And I don't really understand my, the, the internet that I pay for is way faster than the internet that my mom pays for. Just to be honest. <laughs> so I don't know. That doesn't make any sense to me. Yep. 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 Um, so while we're not talking about the NFL draft at the moment, um, uh, I was going to go through a few scores that were happening today uh, for baseball. Okay. For college baseball. So when we go through uh, currently in the top of the eighth inning, Texas leads Baylor six to eight. We're going through just college itself. I'll eventually hit all the SEC ones. Um, UNC Wilmington leads TCU 12 to five in the top of the eighth. That is. Uh, I would like to see where, what happened the rest of that series right there, but I bet TCU probably won the first two, but I'd have to take a look at it. Uh, Florida State, NC State tied at three in the bottom of the eighth inning. 
K-State, Kansas. It's 18 to 10 in the top of the sixth. Holy cow. Not a lot of pitching in that game. There's not really ever pitching on on, on Sundays unless you're Florida and you have Caglione. But, like, not many teams have had a Sunday starter that is just lights out. And you don't really ever see it either. You normally see your Friday night guy, and the good teams have a Friday and a Saturday. The great teams have a Sunday guy as well. And you just don't see – that's where you know the difference between the good and the greats is if you got a Sunday guy. Uh, let's see. Arkansas leads Tennessee 6-2 to in the bottom of the fifth. Michigan beat Rutgers 13 to 8. Maryland lost to Ohio State 13 to 8. Vitek beat Georgia Tech 9 to 2. Louisville in Louisville. So you could have had a shot at seeing this. Uh, Louisville beat Wake Forest 7 to 2. Uh, that's a top 10 matchup right there. Number 10, Louisville beat number 2, Wake Forest 7 to 2. Florida took the series from Georgia 11 to 6 in the rubber game here. Virginia beats Pitt 8 to 5. East Carolina beats Cincinnati 13 to 3. Duke beats Boston College, number 11, Boston College 6 to 2. Campbell beat Longwood 16 to 5. West Virginia takes out number 18, Oklahoma State 11 to 6. Um, looks like we actually had a doubleheader today with Michigan and Rutgers. Uh, Rutgers took game one, six to three. Uh, Clemson beats Notre Dame, six to four. Nebraska beats up on Northwestern, 18 to five. Now here we get some SEC scores. Vanderbilt beats South Carolina and I think takes the series. This is number four, Vanderbilt beating number six, South Carolina, six to four. Oh, let's see. Mississippi State takes the series from Ole Miss with a 5-3 victory today. Alabama takes the series from Auburn with a 6-1 victory today. Um, And that is all the scores that I currently have. Every other one, they're probably still – they're probably playing, but there's no scores listed here. So – I know that Kentucky and LSU played this weekend in baseball. That's right. That's right. Kentucky and LSU was a Thursday, Friday, Saturday series. Uh, It looked like you told me that uh, I know Thursday Kentucky came back and won that game, right? And that that the game that they won? No, they won Friday. Friday. They won Friday night. That's Friday. So Thursday, Paul Skeens and and LSU took care of Kentucky. Friday – uh, Kentucky came back and won that one. That one was like a what was it like a thirteen to eleven or something like yeah, that? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Like, I can actually, pull that up. Really and then quick. yesterday, Kentucky actually had a lead late, and then thirteen to ten. That's what it was. Thirteen to ten. Yeah. Yep. Yet, and uh, LSU pulled it out uh, late and won seven to six in the rubber yeah. match. There you go. Yeah. So. Um, while Kentucky did lose the series, they did take one game and their RPI undoubtedly went up because they played the number one team in the country. Right. So, um, and hung with them and, and had a real shot, you know, to win the series late. Um, right. But, you know, and I mean, even what, what was, what was Thursday's game? Oh, it was 16 to six. Never mind. Yes. They, they, they tend to lost that one. On in, Thursday. Yeah. 
in eight innings. Yeah, that. Uh, yeah, that's a, yeah. It was like I think. Yeah, I think I remember watching this one. It was a lot of late offense by LSU pulled away. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, well, but, Missouri and Texas A and M was a uh, was also a Thursday, Friday, Saturday series, um, and so was Miami and North Carolina. So, in case you didn't hear any of those scores today, they were Thursday, Friday, Saturday series that did not play yesterday or did not play today. So, these were today's scores, not over the you know the whole weekend or whatever. So, those were some weekend series that started on Thursday and did not have a Sunday game. Uh, we also had uh, the USFL start yesterday. So oh, did some, it start yeah, yesterday? I have had one of the busiest weekends of my life, to be quite honest with you, and I have not paid attention. Now, I did check in on the scores of the Kentucky LSU games um, over the weekend right. real quick, like, um, but I really haven't paid a whole lot of attention to much. <laughs> so now we have two <laughs> professional spring leagues that are going on, uh, at the same time. We have the XFL and the USFL. XFL has got to be getting close to being it's, done. It's got to be on it. It's got to be on its way out right now because they started yeah. so early. And the USFL will go into like what mid June? Yeah, I think it's something like that. Yeah, I think they play. Like and eight I think or 10 the XFL playoffs are pretty soon. Right, they should be. And yeah. then, like I said, you got a uh, you got the USFL, the defending Birmingham Stallions, defending champions Birmingham Stallions did win yesterday. I believe it was twenty-seven to ten. So. Um, and that one was at home. I know day. AJ McCarron's been doing. I think it's McCarron, isn't it? Who's there? Yep. Mm, no, McCarron, I believe, is in the XFL. Yeah, I think he's in the XFL. Yeah, he's um, the one. That, he's been doing really well down there. Right, but Birmingham Stallions are the USFL. They are right the other league. Yeah. Um, but uh i'm trying to think of all the there's uh there are a lot of different players that were um that i do remember college wise as far as in the in the usfl like with birmingham we've got scooby wright who was out of i believe arizona um they've also got uh, alabama running back um he's the one that broke his leg either in the championship game against clemson um, and why I'm going blank on him. Anyway, he he was out against Clemson. Didn't didn't get. Uh, I think he, he he hurt his leg early in the game, and ended up not being able to play the rest of the the, the game. And of course, it's one of those what if moments. Hey, if he doesn't if he doesn't get hurt, you know, Clemson doesn't right. win the game because I think that's also the game that Alabama. Uh, Blames Clemson for running the pick play with Hunter Renfro. Yeah. And so I think that's 18, 2018. Um, so it was a. I'm trying to remember, I will have his name in just a second, but I have just drawn a blank. Um, and I know a lot of the other fanboys that are in this that usually watch our, our broadcast on, on YouTube. Are 
paying attention to Braves baseball, and the Braves did beat, swept the Kansas City Chiefs or the Kansas City Royals uh, today. Um, they won five to four today and took the whole uh, and swept the series this weekend. So, uh, and I believe there are some other things. Let's see who else we have here. Um, the Minnesota Twins called up a former Auburn baseball player this past week, and Juan Julian, and then his first game, the Twins end up batting around in the first inning, and he went two for two in the first inning, including a bomb. Yeah. Is, hadn't done a whole lot since, but <laughs> he went two for two in the first inning of, right. that, of that first game. Uh, I think he ended up going two for five in the game, so obviously he went uh, or three, two or three for five in the game, so um, I believe it's three for five in the game, and he's uh, hadn't hadn't had a whole lot of hits since that game. Since then, yeah, because mm-hmm. I think he was at one point he had gotten under he was he was batting under two hundred, so which means yeah, that's not you great. know in the but, in the know. next in the next five six at bats he was over, <laughs> so right, yep. But, uh, yeah. So, to uh, kind of give you guys an update on things with us, uh, College Sportscast is on WSBN TV now. Um, if you download BoxCast app, you can find us on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon Fire Stick, um, and we are on Channel 30 on WSBN TV. So we would appreciate you guys joining us for for all of that. It should be airing right now. Um, Rob is getting with me. So uh, I'm trying to message him real quick. (laughs) Things that are happening live on the air. Yeah, I'm trying to message him real quick. So he was he was just reading my messages and, and getting back with me. So um, I was trying to uh, respond to him real quick. But anyways, yes, things that happen sometimes live. Like I said, we're kind of throwing this show together. Um, I've been gone and been busy uh, with work the last two days uh, doing events with that. And then I did the uh, media event today in Louisville. And uh, just really haven't had a lot of time, but uh, Rob is um, possibly going to join us here in a minute. He just asked me if we were still on and could come on, and I said yes. So hopefully we'll have Rob Staten on with us here in just a few minutes. Um, as I was saying, you can catch us on WSBN TV Channel 30. You do need to download that BoxCast box app um, to be able to watch us. I did that. I put it on. Uh, put it on the TV upstairs. Did you? Cool. Did. Yeah. And it works, right? It does we're there? But you have to download the Boxcast app. Yes, you I can't think. find us on on Apple TV unless you do Boxcast. Right. But you can find us on WSB and TV channel thirty 
but you have to get through the boxcast. And then, of course, uh, we're on YouTube and other places as well. And we are also on um, with the Fresh channel, the Real Fresh channel as well. Um, we are featured on Sunday evenings. This show, which is usually an hour before, is featured on Sunday evenings on the Real Fresh channel. Um, and uh, you can catch us there as well. And it looks like Rob is coming on with us. So, live TV right now. Yeah. Live, live as we speak right now. Looks like oh. I'm going to try to get Rob pulled up here for us. He's right here. I found him. There he is. <laughs> hey, Rob. How are you today? Hey guys, sorry I'm late. I've I've really got tied up with some things. My, my apologies. I was I know it's, uh, I'm, I'm rather no, late. So, so I was I was late coming in too. Well, this has been uh, I've had a really really busy three days, and uh, that's the reason why I pushed it back an hour to start with. So I just appreciate you coming on with us as well. So this is Rob Staten. Is that am I pronouncing it right? Staten, but uh, it's fine. Everybody says Staten, so it's fine. <laughs> Okay, Staten. I'm sorry, Rob Staten, and you are a Seattle Seahawks NBA draft insider. Is that correct? The NFL, yes. but I hope you know. Just yeah, uh, yes, NFL. <laughs> so I, you know, I write, I write for the, Did I I say, write the Seahawks. What I say, it, NBA. NBA. Yes. I mean, that, 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 oh. that, that's a that's a that's a sore subject in Seattle. So no, no, right. NFL NBA. is what I meant. Oh, yeah, my God. get it right, Brad. Yeah, NBA would be a sore subject in Seattle. Yeah. Super yeah, it definitely would. You know, I actually went when I when I used to live in Vancouver. Um, just before I moved back to the UK, I went to watch the Sonics play, and Kevin Durant was uh, was with the yep. with with the Sonics at the time. So yeah, ever since right. then, it's kind of. I, I remember it cost me ten dollars to get in, which was about five English pounds. So uh, that was pretty wow. amazing. You know, to go and watch the that's, that's, how, that's how that's how desperate they were for people to go watch the Sonics at the time. Wow! Really? That's crazy. I mean, the Sonics back in the day, uh, with you know Kemp and Gary Payton and all them, they had some good teams. Yeah, and uh, there's a lot of people in Seattle who are hoping they're going to be back there soon. So uh, yeah, fingers crossed for that. All right, so you are an NFL Seahawks draft insider, and that's the reason why I wanted to have you on the show. Um, the Seahawks are have the fifth selection in the upcoming NFL draft, and I know that they are kind of doing their due diligence and doing their rounds with basically the top five, six, seven picks of the draft. And uh, I know that uh, Carroll, head coach Pete Carroll, has been at some of the workouts and stuff like that, and I just kind of wanted – to uh, go through with you and go through some of the top five, six, seven guys here and kind of let you give us some inside info on, on them. So uh, is that cool with you? Yeah, absolutely. Let's go for it. All right. That's kind of where, where I thought we would start. Um, I guess we'll start with Bryce Young um, from Alabama. And, uh, you know, he's one of the, the top four, I will say, probably are mostly quarterbacks. There is a couple of defenders, but we're, we'll start talking with the quarterbacks, and we'll start with Bryce Young. He had a workout, 
I believe his workout was first, or maybe it was Stroud. Uh, but I think Bryce Young's was first. Was his workout first? No, so Stroud went first. Then the Alabama one was, I think, the day after. And and then Will Levis was the. It was incredible that they were like three days in a row. Will Levis was was after that, and then a week later, Anthony Richardson had his. Okay, well, so Bryce was second in the in the workout order, um, and uh, you know what? Where where do you think you know his workout ranked as far as as far as I guess the QB workouts? And give us a little insider information on Bryce Young. I thought Bryce Young's pro day was a, an exercise in getting it out of the way. I thought that the other three quarterbacks, they wanted to show off. You know, they they used their pro days to say, look at me. You know, look at the physical tools that I've got. You know, CJ Stroud, for example, went out there and it was real up-tempo. You know, he just basically started firing shots downfield, which is, you know, typically when you see a pro day, there's a lot of shorter stuff. It's slow. It's it's it takes forever to get going. At the end, you see some deeper shots, and that's what Bryce Young's pro day was like. You know, it, he and it was it was much slower in tempo. It wasn't a very exciting workout. I thought, you know, I I didn't glean anything from it. And I think throughout this whole process with Bryce Young, he's just wanted to get everything out of the way. You know, his combine was he didn't do anything at the combine. And the whole point of his combine, as far as he was concerned, was to drink enough water and eat enough pasta and cheeseburgers the night before the combine so that he could be above 200 pounds when he got on those weighing scales. And then <laughs> right. he probably just went for the biggest piss after that and got rid of all the jugs of water they'd been drinking uh, in the build-up of that combine. <laughs> yeah. And then he did absolutely nothing at the combine and probably went back and thought, right, I need to get my diet back in order now because I've been just doing ridiculous things to be over 200 pounds. You know, he wasn't, he didn't, allow anybody to weigh him again at the pro day. And then the pro day with it, he he ain't going to match up with Anthony Richardson and Will Levis and CJ Stroud and beat them in a, in a pro day competition. He knows what he is. I suspect when you listen to the insiders, you know, Schefter's and people like that, Chris Mortensen, they've been saying that he's going to go first overall. I suspect he probably knew that as well. So this whole pre-draft process of Bryson has just been get it out the way, get it done, get to Carolina, give me a playbook, let's get on with it. Uh, you know, so with that, you say, and you know that he's likely to still go number one. His his size was, I think he was measured at five ten at the at the combine. Yeah, the um, size is a problem for him because there just hasn't been anybody like him before. You know, people will compare him to to Drew Brees and Russell Wilson and people like that. People forget that Russell Wilson was pretty thick. You know, he was well built. And, right. and and went to great lengths early in his career to slide properly, to learn how to avoid being hit all of the time. And he still took a beating, but he found he basically structured his career almost to put himself in survival mode. Uh, Drew Brees was a thicker player. Kyler Murray is a is a thicker player. Bryce Young's very slight and you know, it looks as if the Panthers are going to take him overall, and they'll have just had to qualify in their own minds. Look, he's his processing's good. He's in, he's the kind of guy that he, he will turn in his hand to any sport and be the best at it. Like you can, I bet he's a brilliant golfer. I bet he's he's pretty right. much good at everything. You know, and he's that type of natural talent. He's very creative, but they're going to have to be ready because 
you know, if he gets hit and he lands on his shoulder, which is what happened in the college football season, uh, if he is is taking a beating behind a bad offensive line, it's it's going to be really. You worry for him. You worry that he's going to get injured because he does not have a two. It doesn't naturally have a two hundred and ten pound frame that's going to take right. being planted in the ground by a two hundred and seventy pound defensive lineman. Right. Yeah, I mean he is what he is, and that's what everybody was. Like that, I mean, that's what he knows who he is. Everybody has seen what he can do, you know, based on the season. So that's why, obviously, he didn't do a whole lot extra. Whereas, you know, CJ Stroud and Anthony Richardson, they're they're trying to impress because, you know, a, I mean, like, look, Stroud had a really good season. Everybody could tell what he could do, and he was trying to 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 secure himself as the number one overall. Richardson played with a team that was very mediocre and has a hand cannon for an arm, but he's got to be able to show that he can be very accurate with that arm as opposed to Bryce Young just sits there and just throws darts like that. It does. Bryce Young's got, I mean, listen, Bryce Young's a very talented player. Yeah. There are some things, you know, I, I do feel a little bit like as, as the process has gone on, um, you know, narratives have been formed and they never get shifted off. And I've watched every game that these these the top four, I've watched most of Hen Hogger's games, but I've watched all of the top four. I've watched every game they've played in college. Right. And um, and with Bryce Young, there's there's so much I mean you just have to put put the Kansas State game on in the in the bowl game. Some of the stuff he's you know he's throwing downfield, he's throwing it on a you know on a dime right to the corner of the end zone from you know 40 yards. And you just think, wow, that's amazing. You know, the accuracy, the, the flight on the football, you know, everything about that's really good. You know, when you watch the Texas game, he, you know, Alabama were awful in that game. They should have lost to Texas. And and, oh, yes. and Bryce, uh, Bryce Young was bad for three quarters, but then in the fourth quarter, he found a way yeah. to win the game. And that's, right. that's what you want. You know, that's what Russell Wilson <laughs> did for 10 years in Seattle. That is what the top players do. You know, they don't have to have 500 yards every game. It's just that when it matters, it gets that fourth quarter. They've got the talent and the, and the balls to, to get you out of a hole and say, I'm going to win this game for his guys. You know, there was one throw that he completed to Jameer Gibbs in the red zone in that game, which is like he's he's scrambling out the pocket. He's off balance. He resets. I don't know. I've still I've watched that play about 100 times. I don't know how he reset, reset his feet and then throws with accuracy to Jameer Gibbs. who made a great catch in the end zone. It's a spectacular play. And and stuff like that is it's just wild moments. But there are other things. You know, he bails in the pocket too much. And that's got to be because of the height. You know, he bails in the pocket. He, th he threw a couple of really ugly interceptions in the season. You know, just sort of bailing the pocket unnecessarily. There was no pressure. Gets out, throws it downfield into, you know, just basically lobs it up there. And, and you're thinking, you can't do that. You know, your, your coaches are not going to allow you to do that in the NFL. Those are the kind of little things that doesn't get talked about enough. And that, and that with the injury side of it, which you're always going to have to be worried about with a 190-pound quarterback, you know, is because of the height. If he gets drafted by the Panthers, he's going to play Calais Campbell twice for the Falcons, who's six foot eight. You know, like, how is he right. going to be able to see over the middle if, with that big, you know, lump, you know, just right in front of him? Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, the, yeah. the height is an issue for sure. I think that 510 is an issue um, for any quarterback, but NFL quarterbacks, you just don't see uh, much under six foot, um, you know. So I think that's going to be an issue for them. Um, I mean, for, for Bryce, you don't really you know. see a whole lot. You don't really see a whole lot of NFL quarterbacks that are close to six feet. I mean, there's right. there's a couple of them that are that are 
under and a few of them that are you know, six six one but most of them are a lot taller than that right <laughs> so, and he measured 510 at the nfl combine so i mean right. that's that's an issue um i think but so it's it, it is an issue because you just look at look at josh allen you can stand in the pocket, you can hit Josh Allen, and he still gets the ball out. I mean, look, Anthony Richardson, there's actually plays on tape, and you can go watch this from last year, where there's like a defender hanging off one of his legs. And, right. you know, typically, you know, if, if that's Bryce Young, he's down on the floor, and he's maybe getting crumpled up. <laughs> Anthony Richardson's got a defender hanging off his leg, and he stands in the pocket and still manages to – he's not going down. He stands there and throws the ball and actually right. makes completion with a defender hanging off him. So right. that's the difference. You know, size does matter in these instances. Now, the thing that Young is, he's very elusive, very creative, and he can get out of the pocket and make plays. That You have to have that in the modern NFL. It's just that some teams, you know, would look at a bigger stature quarterback and think, you know, we just want someone who can stand tall in the pocket and complete a five-yard pass without having to scramble. And there are going to be some occasions where you question whether Bryce Young was going to be able to do that. He's going to go right. first overall. They're a very talented player, and you know I'm very excited to see how he does in Carolina. All right, so we'll move on to C.J. Stroud, um, who, from all I have seen, most people said that his workout, his pro day, was probably the best. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, so up tempo. The first thing he did in the pro day was he, he basically like what you generally have is there'll be a snap. The quarterback will kind of pretend to, to drop five steps or whatever and then throw a short pass. And then there'll be a bit of mucking about and then they'll get back in position and then they'll do another throw at their own leisure. And and it, it's very laid back. And what CJ Stroud did is he just better got up there. It was snap, 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 snap. And he was just like, he was, it was like a production line. It was just one throw, one throw, one throw, Fire one throw, them. very quick. Yeah. You know, they've got multiple re receivers running, you know, the same route down the sideline. Then it was down to the other side. Then it was a deep throw. You know, it was so quick, so dynamic. It was a wonderfully scripted uh, pro day, and it was exciting to watch. You didn't, you didn't feel bored. It, often they are quite boring events sometimes, pro days. But it, it was so quick and up tempo. It was, it was great. Now there were some throws where he was just a fraction off, and you could see in his body language afterwards that he was frustrated on a couple of throws. But then he can do it all. You know, he can throw with such wonderful touch, like the deeper throws. You see a lot of quarterbacks just arm the ball out there. You know, I've got to, I want to show that I can throw it 60 yards. So I'm just going to arm it out there as hard as I can, get this down to a spot and hope that a receiver is going to run under it. With CJ Stroud, he's got the loft perfectly right. You know, when you used to come out the Russell Wilson with the moon ball, you know, CJ Stroud's got that down to a T, you know, and he throws with wonderful touchdown field to all areas of the field. In fact, uh, he can throw the shorter passes with accuracy and timing. He can launch the ball downfield. He can throw on the run, throw into his left. You know, most quarterbacks have a bit of an issue with that when they're sort of moving to the left, and, and he will have a bit of an issue with that as well. But apart from that, you know, just a very naturally talented player. I, I've not, you know, I've written the blog since 2008. I've not seen a quarterback throw a better touch than CJ Stroud since then. That's a that's a pretty bold statement from you, actually, I would say, because uh, you have been doing this for a long time, so. And, and doing I mean, there's, there's very accurate quarterbacks out there. You know, Joe Burrow was incredibly accurate. But in terms right. of that throwing with touch and the velocity to go with the touch as well, the, there's so many. And you can see it. Like, it helps when you've got Marvin Harrison and you know that Junior and he's going to be in the right, right spot at the right time. But, right. you know, he, he can throw it far downfield like he's like it's a handoff 
40 yards downfield. So it's it's good. I mean, the thing with Stroud, though, is, and, and I, you know, I wrote a lot about this during the season, and you can't get away from this, is that right up until that Georgia game at the end of the year, you're watching him and he's looking at the sideline and someone's holding a piece of card up with a picture, a funny picture on it, and that tells him what the read is, and then he's going and throwing it. And, you know, they, they all play, you know, a lot of the quarterbacks play in this system. So, Hendon Hooker plays in something very similar. Uh, Michael Penix Jr. at Washington plays in a similar scheme where they're basically told this is what the coverage is, this right. is what you need to do. And they all threw an identical interception during the season because defences cotton onto it and they say, we know this formation, we anticipate it. And so many of the throws that Stroud, Penix Jr. and Hooker do is to look off the safety to the right, come back and throw across the middle almost blind. And they all threw the same pick. There was three, a triangle of defenders <laughs> all waiting in the same area. You've seen all three quarterbacks throw exactly the same interception because the defense has just judged it. And They're waiting on not, it. Yeah, yeah, he's not reading the defense. He's being told what to right. do. And if you recognize the card or you see the card or you recognize the tendencies that they're using because they're 10 games into a season, then you can anticipate that. And what Stroud's going to have to do is he's going to have to come into the league and he's going to have to read a defense. And he right. needs a year. And yeah. he, he needs time to learn that. And that's going to be tricky for him. Now, the good thing is, is against Georgia, it was like, Stroud, you are going to have to, you are going to have to get out there and improvise because you're playing the best. And he, and he looked football. way better against Georgia as well. Incredible. Like it was Mahomes-esque yeah. at times. The, the, right. The way he scrambled and threw on the run was Mahomes-esque, but that was really the only game of evidence you've got for that. I, I right. tend to be more positive about him, though. If he can do that against Georgia, he can do it in the NFL. So I think he just needs time and, and a good quarterback coach and a good offensive scheme, and he's got all the tools that you need. Right. I, I agree with, with all of that, and I know that you're, you know – right there and, and, you know, see and hear all this stuff and, and write about it. And that's the reason why we wanted to have you on the show. So kind of get a little bit of insider information. So we'll, we'll go to Will Levis and his workout, his pro day. Um, I, I thought that Jordan Palmer, which is his quarterback coach, I thought he put together a, uh, a good script for him on his pro day as well. And uh, what what did you think about Will Levis's pro day? I completely agree with you. It was the first thing I wrote when I did my write up on Will Levis was uh, on his pro day was that that Jordan Palmer produced a fantastic um, session and and it it was the it was the most I got the most out of that session because he was doing a lot of the things that that Levis is going to have to do. You know, he's going to come into an offense which is going to have a lot of play action, which is going to have a lot of bootlegs. It's going to get him on the move, throw it on the run. And they did all sorts of stuff like that. And that's what teams needed to see. So I think Jordan Palmer got it absolutely spot on with the way that he structured that. I, I, I'm baffled by the way that Levis has been reported for the last few months. I, I don't know whether it's just that the media likes to latch onto somebody and, yeah. and knock and criticize them. We've got to have, you know, we've got to have a, uh, you know, a punching bag in this draft, and we've decided it's going to be Will Levis. I, I don't, I don't really get it. There's been right. no perspective with a like. People can sit there. We can all sit here and go. C.J. Stroud looks amazing. Yeah, he gets to throw to Marvin Harrison Jr., Jackson Smith, and Jigba, the other first round picks that they've got. Uh, right. They might have two first round offensive tackles drafted in this draft. He had two first round receivers go in the top fifteen last year. He's got right. running backs who are five star recruits. You know, defensive players who are supporting him with five, who are five star recruits. 
you know, how, how on earth is that the same as, as playing for Kentucky in the SEC when, you know, you've lost three offensive linemen to the NFL, you're running back suspended for the first four games. One Dale Robinson's gone to the New York Giants in round two and you've basically got a bunch of guys you've transferred in or who are like freshmen and, and younger guys replacing they were freshmen. him. Yeah. He had absolutely nothing to in terms of a, a way of a supporting cast. He was getting like, – the, the average number of sacks that Kentucky gave up last year were three and a half. And, you know, guys like Stroud and Penix Jr. and people like that were, were being sacked less than a, one sack a game. You know, right. there's like four times as many sacks per game than those guys. And people are going, oh, yeah, but he has interceptions and he, he didn't play very well. I'm thinking, well, yeah, <laughs> put CJ Stroud in, be, behind center at Kentucky and let's see how he gets on. You know, right. this is just, you know, put put Levis in a, give Levis Marvin Harrison Jr. and, and Paris uh, Johnson Jr. and Dewan Jones and let's let's go. Let's see how he gets on as well. So you, you've got to be... You've, you've got to be careful with the way that you assess these these players and understand their situations. Um, I thought when he was playing for Liam Cohen in 2021 that Levis was fantastic. And that's the system that he needs to play in that Rams system, which is used by a lot of teams now. And yeah. I think if he gets in that scheme and that system, I think he's going to be fine. He's got a fantastic arm. I've interviewed Will Levis. I've spoken to people at Kentucky about Will Levis. And I interviewed Chris Rodriguez last week, who was the running back at Kentucky. And they... Basically, they just speak in the most glowing terms of him and have explained what a fantastic leader he is, what a fantastic guy he is. Um, he has everything that you want in terms of the character, in terms of the willingness to learn. He loves football. He's going to work at it every single day. He's abundantly aware that he has footwork things. And look, one of the things he's admitted to is that he was throwing from his sort of, he, he's, he's throwing from his upper body rather than his hips. And he knows he's going to make that technical tweak, but he's admitting it and he's going to go and work on that as soon as he gets into the pros as a full-time job. And I, I I don't think there's any way whatsoever that he gets past the fourth overall pick. I think the Colts are going to take him if somebody doesn't trade up to number three. I think the media have done a bad job covering Will Levis. He's not going to be for every team. I get that. You know, I'm not saying that every team loves him, but enough teams will love him for him to go very early. Would you say that Will Levis is closer to what Josh Allen was coming out of college? I think Josh Allen is, is probably closer to Anthony Richardson in terms of just the, the thing with Josh Allen was that you looked at him and you thought, he looks like he's been made in a factory. Like right. he's, he's tall, he can right. run, he's got enormous hands. And with Levis, I don't, I don't quite see that. I think, I think Levis is probably closer aligned to Justin Herbert. I think okay. that he's he's not quite the like just he he did some of those Allen runs in 2021 where like he ran over people and stuff like that. Yeah, I don't think right. he's going to do that in the NFL. I, I don't think he's quite as mobile, and I do think he has got too big. You know, I I, I think that the he he loves the gym, and I think he could probably knock that on the head by 15 percent and and not not lift as much, right? And be a bit more flexible and a bit more nimble. Uh, than, than than getting jacked up like he is, but apart from that, yeah, I, I think he's probably going to be more of a Herbert type than a than a Josh Allen. I think Anthony Richardson's and Josh Allen are a very good uh, okay. comparison. And and with Richardson, it's just whether or not he's going to get the opportunity to work with a coach as good as Brad Dayball um, to really flesh out that that talent that he has. Right. right. <clears throat> Well, I mean, we can move on to Anthony Richard and his Anthony Richardson and his pro day, and uh, you can give us kind of an, an update on on that as well. So, I thought Anthony Richardson's pro day was very different to the others because he looked very relaxed. He he was 
uh, it, it was it was there was no nothing serious about that pro day he was sort of laughing and joking he was he was in you know in, going through the motions a little bit on that but i didn't care i saw some people be quite critical of that i i don't think it really matters i thought he looked like he was having fun you know levis was all business stroud was like let's get after this it was like nice go time and, and anthony richardson was more having fun and he, he was very relaxed but he showed off the physical tools that he's got i mean he has got this this I think it's a unique ability to just look like he's just, I'm just going to throw something 10 yards and it's gone 60. Like his release, it just flies off his hand. He, yeah. There was, I've spoken to several people about this. I've spoken to Jim Nagy, who runs the senior bowl. I've spoken to uh, Jake Heaps, who is Russell Wilson's uh, quarterback coach. Uh, I've spoken to other people, some of them off the record. And they, you know, people who've been, who were at the Banning Passing Academy last year, and Richardson was there and Levis was there. And I think uh, Bryce Young was there. Strand wasn't there. Um, basically, all of the big name quarterbacks were there. And, and they basically said that Richardson and Levis were the, you know, they were clearly the most, they were just physically unbelievable. And the word that was used to describe Richardson was legendary in terms of the physical qualities. Like the, the talent is unbelievable. Now I get it, you know. I I keep hearing the people saying, "I the, the completion percentage is, is low," and that's that's a thing. You know, it's a thing that you have to accept, and it will put a lot of people off. What I would say though is, this is a guy who played one year of college football, and you know, you can hold that against him if you want, or you can, you know, make a proper assessment, or you you, you know, you, you, you I don't think you can say I'm not going to draft somebody because he played one year of college football. And if he'd have played three years of college football, I think the progression would have been so good that he would have been the number one overall pick one day. Here's the thing we've got to remember here. In his last six games, he had 16 touchdowns and two interceptions. And that was against Georgia and Texas A&M. And uh, I'm trying to think of the teams he played. Florida State, you know, right. real good teams. And yeah. by the end of the year, he was scoring a bunch of touchdowns and not throwing any picks. And then when he sat out of the bowl game, what happened? Florida lost 30 points to three against Oregon State. Oregon State. <laughs> right. So yeah, Oregon State, he, was, yeah. he was a one-man team. And, yeah. and, and, and look, he's not ready to start. He might not be ready to start next year either. But if you can get him in, teach him how to be a pro, let him learn the offense... I mean, the sky's the limit. He could be on Madden covers. He could well, be so you say he's not ready to start. Is there a possibility that a top five pick in the NFL draft is not going to start? Oh, Patrick Mahomes sat here, and um, that's that should be a lesson to us all. I think there's this problem in the league that that's that's come in that you know that rookies have to start immediately. I mean, Aaron Rodgers set four. He was, yeah. a, he was a first-round you know, pick. Now, what's, what, what should teams be thinking when you're drafting a quarterback? In my opinion, you should be thinking, what do we do to give this guy the best possible chance to be a 10- to 15-year starter? Not, we need to sell some jerseys. He needs to get out there where he want. Look at the Jets with Zach Wilson. They throw him out there when he's not ready. Right. He's bombed. Two years later, they're going to replace him with Aaron Rodgers. His career yeah. might be over. Right. You know, Patrick Mahomes gets to sit for a year. You know, there are some quarterbacks like Joe Burrow who, yeah, you know, they look ready to start. But sometimes you've just got to say, look, this is a long-term investment. I get that some GMs 
make picks because they're trying to save their jobs and then, then these guys end up starting. But you can't, you know, that's the that's on the owner. You know, you should be empowering your GM and your coach to say, okay, we've decided to take a quarterback. Now you're going to get the time to properly develop. Don't, don't feel the pressure to play this guy straight away. And that's how it should be. And if it takes Anthony Richardson two years, if he's starting when he's 23 years old, having had a couple of years to learn the offense and learn how to be a pro, you know, possibly working underneath, I don't know, a Geno Smith or a Jared Goff or somebody like that, you know, to learn the ropes, I think you could end up with the best player in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I just It's a question because a lot of people in their head think that a top five, top ten pick, especially mm -hmm. a QB, has to start right away. And I, I don't agree and this, with you. I, I, I totally understand what you're saying. And yeah. but, but here's the thing, right? This is something that I've been talking about quite a lot recently. Is people couch these quarterbacks as they're not ready, they need time, you can't draft somebody early. I'll tell you now, Jalen Carter isn't going to be ready to play as a rookie. You know, Jalen Carter is he's got massive conditioning issues, he has terrible practice habits. He picks and chooses when he wants to practice and when he wants to lift and stuff like that. You yeah. watch that Ohio State game. Does anybody think watching Jalen Carter in that game when he's gassed looks like he's going to collapse on the field because he's so tired? Does anybody yeah. think he's ready to play 17 games of NFL football this year? I mean, it might take him a full year, maybe two years, to get his conditioning to a level where he can play 17 games. I think people talking about like he's going to be Aaron Donald as a rookie. I mean, look, Quinn Williams took him three years. Like, right. there's, there's plenty of players in here that you invest in and they need time. You know, they need time to learn what it's like to be an NFL player, to, 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 to either master their, their conditioning or their physicality or their scheme or whatever it is, whether you're a quarterback or a defensive lineman or a cornerback, whatever it is. A lot of these guys need time. And, and I don't see any, any problem with drafting somebody in the top five and developing that, that player so they can be great. And, and, and Jalen Carter is going to need that just as much as someone like Anthony Richardson. So I think that's something that, that's a perspective that isn't often acknowledged. Yeah. I mean, it's just something I wanted to ask you about while we had you on. So we have one of the, the four quarterbacks that everybody thinks is going to be in the top. So I mm -hmm. guess my question to you, I mean, you kind of already said where you think Bryce Young is going to go. Um, yeah. how, what do you think the order of those four quarterbacks will go? And do you think they all go – before Seattle picks at five? I, I don't think they'll all be off the board by five. I th obviously, Young won. It, it, by all of the noise, is that the Houston Texans are going to gonna take a defender at number two. Um, I spoke to somebody who's, you know, legit, legit within the NFL uh, about a month ago, and I'm going to speak to them again uh, this week. And they said to me that uh, Will Anderson is hands down the top you know, the first defender taken in this draft. So even though there's a bit of buzz about Tyree Wilson, I think that Will Anderson, if, if the Texans go defense number two, it'll be Will Anderson. Then at number three, it's, it's look, does a team come up for CJ Stroud? And and I, I just don't know. I mean, like if the Texans pass on him, is anybody going to move up? You know, I did a mock draft earlier and had Washington move up because I think they're sort of uh, hiding in the tall grass a little bit. In, in terms of, ah, oh, Sam Howell's the quarterback and stuff like that. It's like, really? You know, you brought Eric enemy over to coach Sam Howell, fifth round pick or whatever he was. You know, is they've not done anything. They've, they've stayed away from the Mark Jackson stuff. You know, it, 
I, I just right. wonder whether they're going to get it. They're going to make a move and it's going to surprise everybody on draft day, but it's, it's not going to be that. It shouldn't be that surprising. So it's maybe them. And if they come up to number three, I think Stroud would be a perfect uh, person to pair with Eric Bieniemy and the, and the offense he's going to run. So th- that's a possibility. But if, if, if the Cardinals can't trade down, they'll take a defender. I think Levis is going to go to the Colts. I think that'll happen. Whatever happens, I think Levis is going to go to the Colts. And then with Seattle, if, if I had to put money on it, I would say Will Anderson's going to be their top choice. If he's not there and Anthony Richardson is, I think there's a very good chance to take him. I know there's people out there who think they're going to take defense, whatever happens. And that could bring Tari Wilson or Devin Witherspoon into I don't think the Seahawks are going to take Jalen Carter. So, um, you know, and, and I think they'll like CJ Stroud, but if, if Stroud gets to five and the Colts and the Texans pass, what does that say? You know, so I, I don't know. I, I think there's a chance that at least one quarterback will be there. And, and the so more, you think, the closer so you we get, th- maybe two. So you think if Stroud is still on the board, the Colts are going to take Levis over Stroud? Yes. Okay. That's kind think, of a, uh, a bold statement. I think there will be. But you have the insider info. So, yeah, that's, well, that's, 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 that's my opinion. You know, I yeah. think that the, the thing with the Colts is they need someone to start now. They need someone who can play week one. Right. They need someone who can go out there and play a football game this season. And, and that ain't Stroud. And that ain't Anthony Richardson. It's, and it's Levis, Levis probably can. Yeah. Yeah. You, you're right can. on that. Yeah. yeah that, I think you're right. That's it. And, and, and also, he's a, very, he's a Chris Ballard guy. He's exactly the kind of guy that Chris Ballard goes for. The character, the size, he, he screams Chris Ballard to me. So I, I and, and also, I don't, you know, I know they kind of flirted with moving up to number one, but there was no real big effort there, was there? And they've right. not really shown any interest in moving up to three. I think if they wanted CJ Stroud or somebody like that, they'd have, they'd have made a push. I think they've been very comfortable with Levis from day one and... I think they will take him, whatever. Okay. Unless somebody trades up for him. Well, so you're talking about trading up to that three spot. Does the Tennessee Titans maybe mm. make a run to do that at the number three yeah. spot? Could see that. Could definitely see that. You know, they they took a swing on Malik Willis. I, I was not a, a Willis fan a year ago. And, and when they're bringing in a guy off, the, off his couch last year to play instead of Malik Willis, it kind of says where they are with him. Um, I could see them moving up. They're a franchise that needs some some juice. You know, it seems to have just gone a bit stale since the AJ Brown thing and, you know, firing the GM. They need something. And listen, Anthony Richardson's a superstar name, pro, you know, prospect. He's a fit for them. I could, I could definitely see them bringing him. You know, he could sit behind Ryan Tannehill until he's ready to take over. It, it's a great match. So I could, you know, they've paid Jeffrey Simmons. They've got some pieces elsewhere. I could definitely see them moving up for, uh, for Anthony Richardson or or even CJ Stroud because again that's a good place with Tannehill. This is the thing where a team like Tennessee and it's the same for the Raiders, for the Seahawks, for the Lions. They've got a, an experienced starter who can play this year, and they can sit the guy. So I, I could imagine any of those teams thinking we're going we're to take a quarterback. All right, yeah, I mean that, yeah. that's that's one of the teams that I thought you know might have it. Shot at moving up to that three spot would be the Tennessee Titans. Um, there's what there's I one guess, other thought on, on 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 Tennessee, by the way. I just I think mean, I did this in my mock draft earlier. Was I wonder if they'll take an offensive lineman at number 11 and then trade 
right into the back of round one and take Hennon Hooker because Hennon Hooker, you know, he's he's a local hero. Right. He is is going to miss this year probably because of the, the injury or if, he, if he's ready, he's not going to be, you know, 100% ideal to let him sit behind Ryan Tannehill for a year. And, you know, they'll love that in Tennessee, won't they? Get an offensive lineman at 11. Yeah, they, they, they will definitely like love that in Tennessee. Yeah, mm-hmm. if they – if they, yeah, if they can pick up Hendon Hooker in round two or something, or you know, um, because of his injury, I you know I don't know if Hendon Hooker will last all through you know till round two or not. But you probably I think know someone better. will trade. Someone someone will trade. I think someone will trade into the back end of round one for him and get that fifth year option because yeah. he's going to miss a year anyway, probably. Right. So right. the fifth year option becomes even more important then. So I think someone. It, it might even be the last pick of round one, or it might be in the twenties. I don't know, but I think someone is going to trade up. I think either someone's going to trade up, or someone like Minnesota is going to take him essentially. But he's going to go in the in the bottom third of round one. B- the bottom, yeah, of round one. Okay, because uh, I think if he didn't get hurt, he he's probably in, you know, higher than that as well. More than likely, in and hook. I've heard that. You know, someone said someone I spoke to who who was legit. Um, yeah. So I'm not going to mention his name, but he um, he thought that Hooker would would be up there if he hadn't got injured. Right. All right. So we've kind of the the two defender guys that I really wanted to talk about. First is Will Anderson, um, and you have already said that that's probably number one on Seahawks board um, if he's if he would be there at the fifth pick. Um, but that's probably a pretty good fall for Will Anderson to still be on the board at the fifth pick. Um, but anyway, um, what, what is your, uh, take in, uh, you know, on, on Will Anderson and is he really worth a, a number one overall pick, I guess? Well, there's, there's, he's quite a complicated assessment, Will Anderson, because he, he had obviously a great 2021 season. And the stats galore, you know, like 30-odd tackles for a loss, 17 and a half sacks. Yeah. But anyone watch the tape, he's not screaming off the edge, beating offensive tackles, bending the arc, you know, showing that great burst. It, he's he's What he's actually is a lot of stunts. Alabama are like Mr. Stunt, you know, like the, Saban's Mr. Stunt. Like they love a stunt. And mm. whenever I see, whenever I watch, you know, you see the, like breakdown videos on YouTube. Whenever I see anybody sort of praising a stunt, I always click off them straight away because it, it, a stunt is basically just a, it's a, it's almost like a blitz. It's like a manufactured pressure. So there's a lot of stunts, a lot of backside chase downs. You know, chase after the running back from behind, stuff like that. And and you're watching him, you're thinking, yeah, you know, I was kind of hoping to see a bit more speed rush and stuff like that. And then you study him a little bit more, and there's a false step in his get off. He is slow to engage the tackle. He is not flying off the snap. So you start to think, well, I can see why someone like Chris Sims is saying he's not the top edge rusher in the draft and that, and that somebody else is, but that's a whole different story. But there are a lot of things to lie with him. He's incredibly powerful. He can hold his point at 250 pounds. He does a great job holding the point, plays the run very well, can keep his friend clean and then sort of run, read the run and then play the, the ball carrier. He is relentless in terms of chasing down 
players and if you put him off the edge, he, he's not going to bend like Will McDonald will, but he will chase and he will hassle and he's going to give you 100% every single snap. And, and some teams are going to really like that. And, and if you want a high effort, powerful, you know, aggressive player, then he's, he's going to give you that. Is he special? No, he ain't Von Miller. He isn't a Bosa brother. He isn't Miles Garrett. But he's going to be a safe pick. He's he's going to be somebody who, I think in five years' time, no one's going to say, why on earth did you take him? Whether people are going, wow, he's one of the top five pass rushes in the NFL or not, I'm, I'm dubious. All right. I think that's a fair take on Will Anderson. Um, what is your take on Jalen Carter? I know you've kind of mentioned a little bit of stuff earlier. Um, but uh, that would be probably the – I, you know, most likely the, the second person defender that I would mention would be Jalen Carter. Well, incredibly talented, you know, fantastic talent. And, and somebody who, when he is at his best, if, if he, if he don't want to be blocked, he ain't going to be blocked. You know, he's, if he, if he, if he wants it bad enough, he could be a top, you know, on, on the, on the, on the board for the, you know, for the NFL. He could be a great player. Yeah, agreed. Uh, completely agree. And look, he's, he just combines. It's funny, really, because he, he look. this is the best way that I think to describe it. He looks technically brilliant, but I don't think the technique, I don't think he's been taught technique. I think he's just naturally kind of picked it up strangely. And... And and that's pretty special in itself. You know, his ability to he, – he is so quick, so quick, you know, getting off the snap and then exploding, you know, up towards the blockers. And then once he's engaged, he's so quick to – you know, he's got that speed to get into the block, but then the power to disengage or his ability to, like, just fake towards one gap and then sort of quickly shoot to another gap is unbelievable. You know, his hands are good. He's powerful. Once he's, you know, wins initially, whether it's with leverage or just getting there to, to the gap before the blocker can get there, you ain't stopping him. He's an incredible player. I, I don't think he realizes how much he is risking an elite career in the NFL, potentially home of Hall of Fame career and millions and millions and millions of dollars. The problem with him is he's had a tough upbringing. It's, it's impacted I think his approach to how he's sort of viewing his career, I, I don't think he's conscious of, you know, what he needs to do to be a pro. He, We've seen all of the reports, you know, that people are putting out there now. You know, I, I think they're only really scratching the surface. He's, his practice habits are not good. He picks and he basically does what he wants. And George's approach to it was, well, if he turns up on a game day, we'll kind of cool with it, you know, we just want him there. And, yeah. and then what that means is because he's not on it all the time with his, his lifting and his, his conditioning that when it got to the LSU game in the SEC championship, they had a long drive to start the game and he looked gassed. And that's in the first series of the game. And then against Ohio state, he looked, it was embarrassing. He said it was embarrassing. He said he was embarrassed by his performance and, and rightly so. And the problem is, is that you look at that and you think, that Ohio State game is the closest thing he will have had to an NFL game in his college career. And if he's going to look like that in the NFL, you know, that's 
he's going to be rubbish, frankly. You know, he needs to get his career as, as the most important thing in his life. And he needs to start acting like a pro. And he's going to have that. Like, Tom McShay says he doesn't take well to coaching and that he was like barking back at coaches. He ain't able to do that in the NFL. His NFL coach is going to have to get on him. He's going to have to be in the gym every day. He's going to have to, you know, work at this. He is, he's going to have to completely change his, his life around, frankly, to, to, to work like a right. pro. And that worries me a little bit because you can't guarantee that he's going to do that. I mean, like, what's going to happen? He's going to get drafted. You're going to guarantee him $30 million on draft day. And then apart from a mini camp straight after the draft, he's going to be left to his own devices for two or three months before training camp. Like, you know, what happens in that period? Is he going to be working out? Is he going to be on his conditioning? Is he going to be doing whatever he wants? You know, because what you really right. want him is working out in the gym every single well, day. Well, I mean, sometimes, sometimes when you have that special talent – that special talent carries you, you know, and you don't really have to work as hard as some of the other guys. Well, I read this from a team source. They they said, um, they put it that they are worried about his approach to, uh, you know, practice and working out and his conditioning, but they can't guarantee that he's actually going to come into the league and just carry on doing what he was doing at Georgia and still be brilliant anyway because he's that good. That was, that's what yeah. the, the way that they put it. And, you know, that's true. You know, he could be a pain in the backside for whoever drafts him. But on a Sunday or a Thursday or Monday, be brilliant. Right. And, and you, you can't right. rule that out. But you also can't rule out that he's going to need to play 25% of the snaps for the first two years of his career, maybe for the full length of his first contract. And you ain't drafting someone fifth overall for 25% rotational pass rusher because of his conditioning. And, you know, certain teams, like Arizona's a good example. Arizona need to reset their culture. And they've got a rookie head coach and a rookie GM. Are you really, how are you going to reset the culture by drafting Jalen Carter third overall? And, and you know, you really want your rookie head coach dealing with that and, and a GM, that being his first pick, you know, putting that on the coach, it just doesn't chime. And, you know, people say, well, Seattle will be a good choice for me. Yeah, but Seattle's big on character. And, you know, they, they spent all of last year saying what a great thing it was that the rookies came back in shape for training camp and that it was basically the catalyst for their great draft that everyone was was on character. So there are certain teams that are not going to go anywhere near Jalen Carter. There are certain teams like the Steelers and the Eagles, I think, could be well up for taking that risk and are probably, you know, well positioned to get the best out of Jalen Carter. But he's going to be a headache. And then on top of all of this, of course, there's the legal stuff. You know, teams are going to have to work out exactly what happened on that night, um, right. which which led to the crash. And they'll be doing their investigations on that to find out as much information as they can. You know, I think pretty much all of the teams in the top 10 have met with Jalen Carter, short of like the Panthers, who are, you know, going to take quarterback, not not Jalen Carter. And they want to hear his side of the story and they'll be doing their own their own study on that. So there's, there's like so many layers to this. It's... It's hard to know. I mean, like, you wouldn't be surprised if he's a Hall of Famer. You wouldn't be surprised if he was out of the league in two years. Yeah, like, and and with that, because of that, I'm just going to let my stance, if I was a GM, would be I'm going to let somebody else deal with it. And if he ends up being right. world-class player, congratulations to them for taking that risk. But I'm not going to lose well, you can always, You can always possibly sign him later. You don't have to draft him. Yeah, and, and look, um, it's, it's just... Know. I personally would just say good luck to whoever takes him. I hope he has a great career, but I'm just not going to, I'm not prepared to, I don't want that headache. I don't want a sleepless night in June wondering what he's doing when I hope that he's so my in question, the gym. My question to you with this is Pete Carroll kind of has a reputation of 
helping out guys that have, uh, you know, uh, a second chance, they need a second chance or, or turning their life around or whatever. Pete Carroll kind of has a reputation for, for doing that all the way back to his USC days. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is, is that not something you don't think Seattle will do? I think it's misconstrued. I think what Pete Carroll likes to do is if there are, if there's like a lost soul or a, someone who's slightly different that, that wouldn't appeal to a certain team. So, you know, Richard Sherman and Jim Harbaugh did not see eyes wide at Stanford and, and neither did Doug Baldwin, both legendary players for Seattle because Pete Carroll, you know, could get the best out of them. But what Pete likes is even if you've got these players like Marshawn Lynch, for example, who are quirky characters that most of the league can't handle or a Frank Clark who they drafted at the end of round two, who had a, a, a domestic violence allegation hanging over him when they drafted him. You know, all of these players have one thing in common. They're absolute dogs on the football field. You know, they when they get out on the football field or a practice field, all football, you know, angry as hell. The term that they use in Seattle is pissed off for greatness. And, and that's what Pete likes. And that's competitors. So if you are prepared to bring it, and if, you, if you've got your hair on fire and you are 100% football and want to compete, Pete Carroll will give you that chance, even if you're a bit of a lost soul. What Pete Carroll doesn't want are guys who are going to pick and choose when they want to practice, who pick and choose when they want to turn it on. That's, and that's Jalen Carter. That's, good, that's Jalen yeah. Carter. And that's the problem. People think, ah, character concerns. Pete loves that. Mm. If Jalen Carter was had a few issues, but practice like crazy was relentless on the football field and absolutely football, football, football. He would take it. They would run to the podium. But the problem yeah, is, is that yeah. that ain't what it is. It's the practice. Right. He's, he's, there's, there's serious questions whether this guy even likes football and that ain't a Pete guy. Right. I got you. I just wanted to bring it up because yeah. I've had other people bring it up to me that they thought Pete, that's the kind of guy that Pete Carroll would like. So since you were going to be on with us, I thought you were the perfect guy, you and, know, to ask about. And, it. and people say to me all the time, like, you're going to look so stupid if they draft him. And that's absolutely true. You know, if they do take him at number five, uh, it's it's going to make me look rather ridiculous. But I will own that, you know, and I will I will own that and I will learn from it. I'm just giving you, and as I've given everybody, you know, my thought on this and and based on what I know about Jalen Carter, I, I probably know more about Jalen Carter than most people. You know, I've been able to sort of source some of the information. Um incredibly talented players I mentioned and I hope he has a great career with the Philadelphia Eagles. <laughs> All right. So there is another Georgia defender that I want to talk about and he did not play much at all this year. Maybe not at all. I can't remember if he played the first game and then didn't play. Um, uh, but that is Nolan Smith. Um, and you know, is there a chance, even though he didn't play, is he is there does he have a chance of being a top ten pick? You think, Nolan Smith? Uh, I mean, look, people are saying that. I mean, I, I'm very skeptical. I've heard it. I've heard it in the last couple of weeks. And with you being on, I just wanted to ask you about it. Well, I'm, I'm going to speak to somebody this week who might be able to give me an idea as to whether that's likely or not. Um, I mean, like my personal take is no. Because he, to me, is a tweener. Like he, it's it's hard to sort of watch him and think that's the position. I mean, like 
short the, the the sort of the way that he fits for me is probably as an edge rusher for the Patriots. Like they love these kind of like smaller guys who are quicker, like Josh Uche. Um, there's the other guy who I can't remember who's what his name is now. There's a few years ago, blonde, long blonde hair. It looks a bit like Clay Matthews. I can't remember his name. But they they take these sort of smaller edge rushers, and and I could see, you know maybe the Patriots at fourteen would be a, a great spot for him. But for everybody else, you know, he's, he's about two. He played like I know he, he weighed about two thirty eight. He played at Georgia, I think, at about two thirty. Like he looks tiny on the field, and yeah, and and like if that's his playing weight, you can't play the edge at that. But then he didn't play orthodox linebacker in, the, in college either. So if you're transferring him to sort of an orthodox linebacker role, he's got the attitude, he's got the dog in him, he's got the, the character to do it, but he didn't do it. So you, you're making a major projection there. Uh, and he's a funny player to watch because even though he like ran a 4-3-9 or whatever it was and he is smaller, he doesn't actually fly off the edge and bend the arc as well as you'd think. Like he's, he's actually better. This is going to sound really weird. Playing the run. Like he actually has got heavy hands for his size and he can get into right. tackles and jolt them back. And, and I, and I thought, wow, I was really impressed with the way that he played the run at his size. I, I, I actually think the bigger concern is like, if you draft him to be a pure pass rusher, I, I don't know if he's going to come flying off the edge. He doesn't have the length. He doesn't really have much of a counter. So I, I have a little bit of skepticism there. And that's why I think if he was a great pass rusher who could fly off the edge and do all of that, I think he possibly would have a chance, a bit like Vic Beasley did, to go in the top 10. Um, but the fact he's been hurt, there's going to be some durability concerns because of the size as well, and the fact that he has missed some time, uh, and the fact that I think he's a bit of a tweener. I mean, I've got him graded in round two because I just I don't know where to play him. But I can, I, the, the physical profile is... I, I will. I concede well, he's good enough that he could go a lot earlier. I've seen some recent mock drafts, and I have seen him as high as number eight. Yeah, and I, and I just thought I would mention him um, because about a month ago, I mean, most of the people that I've seen had him right in that early second round, you know, range. What you were just talking about, uh, but I heard he had some really good workouts. And uh, as in impressing some people, so I don't mm. know if any, any of that's true or not. And Absolutely. I just wanted to, he, he's a great yeah. guy as well. You know, you can't when you listen to him, you kind of want him on your team because he's he's such a great speaker, very passionate about the game. You know, you're going to get everything from him. You know, he's almost like the opposite of Jalen Carter in that regard. Um, but yeah. he, but he is, uh, yeah, he, it's just. Where does he play? That's the question that I kind of keep asking myself. And and I'm sure there'll be some GMs and scouts who go, well, what are you talking about? He can play here. And that's their opinion. I'm sure there are other GMs and scouts who go, no, I, I don't know where he really fits, quite frankly. So there's going to be mixed mixed opinions on him, I, I bet. But it only takes one team to put him in the top ten. Right. All right. So we'll, I'll, I really have two more questions, and, and then we'll kind of wrap this up. So – is there any other players that I didn't mention that that you want to you know that would be in that top and you know that be considered I guess, um, and, and you know that I didn't mention that you want to talk about? Well, look, Tyree Wilson's probably going to go quite somewhat early, and um, you know he he could even go number two if you listen to some people. Uh, he's two seventy one, incredible length and size. You know people. Speaking very high, Chris Sims thinks he's the best pass rusher in the in the, in the draft and says it's a no-brainer. 
I'm skeptical. I mean, I think he's a great power ball rusher, but even then, you know, when he gets into to, to tackles and ball rushes and pushes them back, a lot of those blocks stall. You know, he has this great pressure percentage according to Pro Football Focus. I do wonder a little bit how sometimes if they count those ball rushes that stall as as a successful pressure, and that that maybe tops his numbers up a little bit. But when I'm looking at that, I'm thinking he's been blocked. You know, he's he's, he's pushed the, the tackle back, but not enough to necessarily impact the quarterback back to the, to warrant in that to be called a pressure. He doesn't really have a speed rush. I do think he goes through the motions on some of his snaps and doesn't really, you know, play with his hair on fire. Um, the the size is tantalising, and maybe with some good coaching, you could become a very very good player. But I, I'm just dubious myself that he's he's going to win, you know, go as high as, as some people are thinking. So Tyree Wilson's one of those. I think Devin Witherspoon is is a very interesting player, cornerback, who is getting a lot of traction at the minute. He's he's probably the toughest player in the draft. You know, absolutely hammers people. You know, can come and play run support brilliantly. The biggest hitter in the draft by an absolute mile. Um, but he's 180 pounds and and he's right. and he's five eleven. So you know, it's can he keep doing that in the NFL? You know, it's one thing to go and hammer people in the Big Ten. You know, is he going to be able to do that in the, like the NFC? So it's it, he's a challenging sort of assessment in that because he's not a ball hawk, but he's he is incredibly physical. Um, but you know, there are teams in that top 10. You know, Dan Campbell once said he once famously said he wants people who are going to eat people's kneecaps. And Devin Witherspoon will eat your kneecaps. So, you know, there's there's a chance that he will he will go very early as well. Right. All right. So at number five, you've kind of said Will Anderson's a possibility. Mm-hmm. You think maybe Anthony Richardson is a possibility. Um, and Give us some other names if, you know, who might be there and who you think Seattle might pick. Well, you know, some people think it's going to be a defense. They're going to force a defensive pick. And and if that's the case, then I would say Will Anderson, Tyree Wilson. I don't think Jalen Carter, but, you know, probably those two are the pass rushers that you're looking at. If they're both gone and they really were forcing a defensive pick, I, I don't think it's very likely, but Devin Witherspoon could be an option there. I'm struggling to think of any other defensive player who would be worth uh, the number five pick in that regard. And then with the quarterbacks, you know, Seahawks fans are kind of split on whether they want them to go quarterback or not. But the thing is, is that Stroud, Richardson and Levis have all got the physical qualities that John Schneider has typically looked for. Big hands, big arm can throw it downfield. You know, you look at the quarterbacks he's gone for in the past, Russell Wilson, he traded for Charlie Whitehurst. He reportedly loved Josh Allen and wanted to trade Russell Wilson to get him in 2018. He reportedly was going to draft Patrick Mahomes if he was there in the late first, which a lot of people expected at the time. Um, he he likes these kind of players. So I think the Seahawks are going to be intrigued by those three quarterbacks. I think Will Anderson, all the three quarterbacks, is what I would put my money on if I was going to do anything like that. Um, but you know, I have to admit that there are at least some people out there who think they're going to go defense, whatever it takes, and that could bring a Tyree Wilson or somebody like that into the mix as well. But I think Will Anderson or a quarterback will be my preference. All right, so and, and the quarterbacks would be Stroud, Levis, or, or Richardson, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that Pete Carroll was at the. Mm-hmm. Did he go to Anthony Richardson's too? Yes. Yeah, and, and he, he, did. he did. And there was a report that John Schneider spent considerable time talking to Richardson's agent after that. And and Carroll um, had, a, had, a, had a meeting with Billy Napier, the head coach. So there's been a bit of a glint in Carroll's eye when he's talked about Richardson. 
I mean, it, people, you can look at it either way. You could say, well, that's either a sign of genuine interest, and I think it is. People wanted to say it was a smokescreen, you know, that they what they really want is people to trade up, and, you know, four quarterbacks off the board, and Will Anderson's there at five. You know, that, that might have been a plan. Right. But I just think it's Schneider. He's come back to John Schneider for me. You know, if he ain't, if he didn't like these quarterbacks, I don't know which quarterbacks he's going to like because they kind of fit him down to a T, really. So I, I think, he's, I think for example, he would love Will Levis if he's there. Um, whether Pete Carroll wants to do that or not, I don't know. I mean, look, there's a, Carroll was in charge for a long time. We never really don't. We don't know who's in charge now, but there was a bit of a change before the Russell Wilson trade, which, you know, in my opinion, John Schneider wanted to do the year before. And if Schneider's in charge of the draft, it makes it more likely a quarterback will be taken. If Carroll is still in control, I'd say it's less likely. We're going to find out in two weeks who's who really is the, <laughs> right. in charge of the seal. Yeah. Yeah, we're not too far away now. It's it's the 27th, the first round is. So uh, we are less than two weeks away, 11 days, and uh, we'll find out on the NFL draft. So um, I appreciate you being on with us tonight. I'm sorry that John had to run. Um, My fault for being late. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry John had to run, but I, 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 I appreciate you being on with us, Rob. It's been great. And uh, we'd love to have you on again sometime. Anytime. Appreciate the invite. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks, Rob. All right, guys. I appreciate Rob being on with us. And uh, sorry John had to run. He, uh, like he said, was, was all a little late trying to get this done. We're doing this show later than we normally do. So, uh John, John had to run, so I just wanted to kind of clear that up. Um, we are College Sportscast. We are on Tuesday, Thursday nights at 8 p.m. and Sunday, normally 3 p.m. Central. And we are on WSBN TV Channel 30. And I want to get that in. Also talk about our prize picks. Um, you can go to prizepicks.com to uh, play – fantasy daily sports and uh when you do that for your initial deposit punch in cs cast and that will help us out as as well as give you double your money up to a hundred dollars so if you have a deposit of 50 bucks you'll get a hundred dollars to play with if you deposit a hundred bucks you'll get two hundred dollars to play with and there's over 30 sports to choose from each and every day, $5 minimum. And again, double your money at prizepicks.com by using our promo code CSCAST. Appreciate that from you guys. And I want to say a big, huge thanks for Rob Statton coming on with us. Like I said, we we're all kind of running late. But he is great, has a lot of good inside info. I'm very glad and happy that he came on with us. Um, we do not know each other. I just contacted him through Twitter, and he done this for us. So a big, huge thanks to him for coming on College Sportscast here with us and doing that. He has a lot of great info and um, insider info and stuff that, that uh, I hope you guys enjoyed. And it's been a fun show. And the NFL draft is set for next Thursday. The first round is the 27th. 
The second and third round is the 28th of April, and the remaining three through seven or four through seven rounds are the 29th of April. So uh, it's coming up soon, and we'll have another um, NFL insider on with us. He'll be from Green Bay this coming week. And then next Tuesday, right before the draft, we will have a third edition of our own mock draft with the mock draft guy. And then hopefully we will be on Thursday night, April 27th, and we will kind of be doing a live show and doing some live updates on the NFL draft while the first round is going on. So we look forward to bringing you some NFL draft coverage, including today with Rob Staten. I keep wanting to say Staten. Staten, he said his name was. And uh, we appreciate him being on with us. And we appreciate you guys following College Sportscast. And we will see you guys on Tuesday night at 8 o'clock. Catch us here. Catch us on YouTube, Facebook Live. Go to our link tree, College Sportscast, and you can find us and everything that we do on our link tree page. Get that up real quick. You can go to our link tree page. There's our link tree page for you guys. We have a TikTok. Um, you, you can help us and follow us on anything. There's about 10 or 12 different things there. Uh, if you go to that link tree page and we appreciate it. Got somebody looks like in my chat. So, Oh, it's Hammonds. Hammonds was with me today. He says, I look like a wild man. That's because I've been crazy busy the last few days. And uh, I appreciate everybody being with us and we will close this out. Y'all have a good night. We will see you Tuesday night. Thanks, guys.